Welcome to the Tech.eu podcast, where we discuss some of the most interesting stories in European tech today. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tech.eu podcast. Uh, Today we are catching up with Fernando Matskin, who is the Chief Business Officer for Europe for a company called Globant. Hey, Robin. Uh, Happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to participate. Thank you for taking the time. What and who is Globant? Well, Globant is uh, an engineering and design uh, services company, a technology professional services company that started its operations back in 2003 in Buenos Aires, in Argentina. Uh, Sorry. Right now here. Was that right now here? Like I'm pointing at the yeah, map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right down there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, out of Buenos Aires, and uh, also, you know, just coming out of the worst financial crisis in the history of Argentina, which, believe me, Argentina has had many of those, but this was really bad. So, you know, the four founders of the company got together back then um, in a in a bar. Uh, with this vision of leveraging the Latin America engineering talent uh, to provide digital services to uh, Europe and uh, North America. And, you know, back then it was like, you know, the, 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 the boom of Internet and the boom of e-commerce was just starting. So we're, they, they started very early to, to, to see this, you know, very big opportunity to uh, you know, to do something that nobody else had done really before in the region, which was leverage the local talent uh, to provide services uh, for the real, uh, you know, the top leaders in each of the industry, the most important companies in the world, in the biggest economies and uh, North America and Europe. Um, so they, they started, you know, um, delivering services to a, a few clients. And in 2006, uh, we acquired Google as a client, which was a big milestone for us, obviously. Uh, the very first company to provide uh, services, digital services uh, for Google from outside uh, Mountain View. Uh, so we started working for Google, which credentialized our engineering capabilities and, and our engineering excellence, so to say. Uh, and then, you know, the company started to grow, uh, grow word to mouth, evolving its services. Uh, uh, you know, we landed Electronic Arts as a client, then Southwest Airlines, then JP Morgan, uh, then many high-tech companies in the in the Valley, in Silicon Valley. Um, so, you know, started to grow very, very quickly. I joined the company in 2009. Uh, we were back then less than 1,000 people. And, um, and now, you know, fast forward to today, we are 28,000 people. Uh, presence in 35 countries, uh, around 100 delivery centers. So it's really become a global company. But mm-hmm. at its core, over the years, nothing has changed in its essence. Uh, Globan has always been a, a company, a professional services company in technology, who was able, who has been able to combine, um, you know, the you know, the capabilities and the way of doing things in a very different way than our competitors. Always focused on uh, putting the consumer at the center of technology, always using technology to uh, build engaging experiences um, 
lasting experiences in order to, you know, uh, to help our customers grow its client base, consumer base, improve the life of patients. In the case of life sciences, pharma and hospitals, uh, make employees more productive, more engaged. Yeah, that's great. Um, we're going to get into sort of the current activity soon, but I just wanted to point out yeah. uh, one of the very few uh, unicorns to ever come out of Argentina. Uh, the first Latin American uh, company that did an IPO uh, in the US, I think, in 2014. Uh, you've been with the company almost 15 years, so you've seen uh, a lot of the the growth uh, firsthand, uh, of yes. course. Um, but as you rightly pointed out, like the focus on North America and Europe was there very, very early on. I think the first office uh, in London was already open in 2004, a year yes. after the founding of the company. Um, yes. Was there a particular um, playbook or a reason for sort of selecting those those bigger markets uh, early on for the company? Uh, you know, uh, the, we saw the potential of uh, of one side. You know the internet boom. We saw the, we saw the potential of e-commerce uh, that had just started to to grow and and started to become popular. Uh, you know, uh, Amazon started around those years. Uh, Google started growing uh, heavily around those years. Um, so the you know the founders uh, saw the opportunity of of growing the digital services offering and serving these large companies who they knew were going to. Uh, need these services at scale, and uh, and there were not really other companies, uh, for instance, for North America, right, offering these these services uh, from um, from Latin America, which has tons of advantages, like not only the time zone, but the huge uh, talent pool availability, the cultural affinity, the nearness in a way. Um, so I, I would say those were the the main drivers back then, and and the vision stayed, you know, stayed very, uh, very valid over the years. Stayed, uh, you know, the same. Yeah. And was it difficult for in, in Europe then, in particular, because I remember in those days when when sort of bigger companies look to IT partners, they would look at Eastern Europe uh, primarily, they would look at Southeast Asia for, you know, things like outsourcing and nearshoring. Um, how did Gloman sort of become a competitive player in that field, you know, not being in the same time zone, uh, sort of coming from Latin America? Uh, how quickly did that business expand and how did you uh, manage to do that? It, it expanded very quickly. Actually, the very first uh, client for Globant started in 2000. Uh, the very first client, sorry, was in the UK. It was lastminute.com around 2003, oh, yeah. 2004. Yeah. So really the story started in in, in London, in the, in the UK. Uh, and, uh, you know, I guess, um, you know, the, the, the quality of, uh, of the engineering services that we were providing, right? The the way we very early on started uh, organizing uh, the delivery model, very different to our competitors. Uh, we uh, came up with this approach uh, called uh, Agile Pods uh, under an Agile delivery model, which was basically around building multidisciplinary team, multi-skilled teams, uh, taking talent from you know many different pockets of talent that we call studios and uh, combining different capabilities uh, in one team. And this team was able to deliver any kind of digital product, uh, an e-commerce uh, platform, uh, an application for the uh, for the phone, for the watch, um, a combination of a digital and uh, physical experience. So, you know, the way we organized our teams, the way we made this th these teams autonomous, 
um, very much results oriented, very much aligned to the objectives and KPIs of our clients. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, 15, 17 years ago. That really set us apart from, from the competition. And, um, and by the way, you know, one of the key um, the key missions of Global has always been reinvent the professional services space. Uh, in in the industry, in the technology professional services space, things have been done the same way for many, many years, for the last 50 years. So our approach uh, has always been do things differently from our competitors and reinvent the space. Reinvent, we organized uh, technology teams, they reinvent the way we organized our company itself, how we uh, put together different capabilities and practices around what we call studios. So it's always been very different from the from the get go. Yeah, and obviously it worked very well, uh, considering the fact that you have now 28,000 uh, people on the team, uh, bringing hundreds of millions of dollars every quarter in revenue. Um, how important is Europe as a market for the company? Can you tell us a rough breakdown on, on, on what that looks like? Yeah, it's extremely uh, important. Uh, it represents around uh, 15% of the company revenues and growing. Uh, we have presence in Spain, in the UK, in France, in Germany, in Denmark, uh, in Italy, and, and we are expanding very quickly uh, throughout other, other markets and other countries. We're constantly looking for opportunities to expand our presence, both in business hubs and also in talent hubs, which in, in both in both cases are the same, in some others not that much. For instance, in the case of uh, Spain, um, we uh, we have already more than 1,100 Globers uh, serving uh, global clients in Europe, but also serving global clients in North America. Uh, so for us, it's not only, you know, uh, a huge opportunity in terms of growth in Europe, which, you know, Compared to North America, our footprint is still relatively small, uh, which makes it, you know, it makes makes it even more attractive. Uh, but also as a talent hub, you know, uh, uh, places like I said, like Spain, like Portugal, uh, obviously, you know, uh, Eastern Europe, Romania, Moldavia, Poland, where where we have delivery centers, are extremely attractive uh, because of its engineering capabilities, its location for Europe, and, and it's very easy to scale. So, you know, all in all, Europe, it's a very important market for us in both in both ways, uh, business and uh, and talent. Yeah, yeah great answer. Um, and you mentioned North America and the fact that the footprint here is still relatively small. That's something you know well, uh, because you used to run the North America business before uh, you became the GM for Europe. Uh, was that a particular um, was that a specific choice from you or was it just a, an opportunity to sort of grow within the company? Uh, it was an opportunity to grow, to grow within the company. Uh, I've always felt very much attracted by opportunities where there, there was, you know, a lot of uh, space for growth, where the opportunities to scale up the operation were, you know, were visible, were, were evident. And, and Europe, you know, is, is one of those cases, uh, right? Uh, we, while our very first client in 2004 was in London, was in the UK, over the years, I would say, you know, most of, of the focus, the investment and the energy of the company was set in North America. Um, until a few years ago, we landed a very important client in Spain uh, called uh, Open Bank, a virtual banking platform, spin-off of Santander. Um, we developed the 
banking, the banking platform for, uh, for Open Bank from scratch. So we were able to scale up that operation very quickly in Spain. Um, and that was around four or five years ago. So that gives us some, you know, refreshed energy and, and focus to, uh, to go back to, to Europe, uh, to come back to Europe and, and renew our investments. Uh, so now, you know, we have, uh, we have presence, we have teams, we have clients. The challenge, I guess, is to go for more, right? To go after more clients, uh, make our brand famous, build stronger and more mature teams in each of the countries where we have presence, look for new markets in Europe and also in Asia um, and Australia, uh, countries and, and the Middle East, countries and markets where we also have started to, to grow. Uh, so all of the of the business leaders, uh, we we switch positions, we switch uh, focus regions, and uh, and I've always been intrigued by 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 the European market, by the way of doing business here, by the differences with North America, and because mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to work in the West Coast and in the East Coast, I thought that now, you know, coming to Europe and learn the ways here and scale up this business was going to be an an amazing opportunity for me professionally and also for yeah. the company. Are there any particular differences uh, between sort of operating in Europe with its, you know, fragmented nature, uh, cultural difference, uh, language difference and whatnot uh, compared to North America where you were uh, sort of stationed before? Yeah. So it's um, what I could say. It's like, obviously, the, the complexities are clear. Uh, like you said, languages, cultures, locations, each country uh, has its own characteristics, its own challenges. Uh, the clients in each country have uh, their own expectations, and you need to be very respectful of those differences if you want to succeed and 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 grow. So it's a little bit harder to scale compared to North America. You need to keep uh, leadership, the right leadership, and the right local presence in each of these markets, in each of these countries. So that's one. Uh, number two, uh, clients are extremely sophisticated. Uh, all clients expect, uh, you know, uh, a very much, uh, you know, a consultative approach where you talk about how technology is going to uh, impact their business, what are going to be the new lines of revenue, the savings, the digital efficiencies that you're going to achieve. So that's where the um, the conversations start in North America. Um, you know, clients are also very much sophisticated, but I would say, you know, it's a little bit more transactional compared to, uh, to Europe. Uh, in Europe, it's much more relationship-based. You really need to earn the trust. You really need to build a relationship. You really need to prove yourself and be clear about where you have done um, a similar project, a similar job before for a similar client in the same country. Hmm not necessarily in another country, in another region. Uh, so credentializing yourself, earning the trust and the credibility of the client is, uh, is very important. Uh, and that's where we are uh, putting our focus in each country, right? Yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you said you were expanding the business in Europe in terms of uh, investment, opening new offices, you know, building the business and also attracting new talent. Um, but does that strategy also include, for example, investing in European tech startups or, or even acquiring uh, European tech startups down the line? Yes, we are uh, very active in each front. So we have three, three fronts we, we typically work on. Uh, one is the corporate, the typical, the corporate development uh, in organic growth, 
which focuses on, you know, going after companies that help us land in a geography where we are not presence, uh, present or where we have little presence, uh, or going after a company that, uh, uh, you know, complements us with the capability that we don't have. Those are the two key main drivers. We never go uh, after an acquisition because just because of, you know, adding growth or just because adding uh, clients or those are not really drivers, are more geographical and strategic in terms of capability. So that's one uh, one track. The second track is um, Global Ventures, where we are very active looking for companies, uh, you know, where we think, you know, it's smart to invest. And it's mostly about companies who offer products or certain services that, you know, have a clear synergy with our products and services. Um, so that's track number one, Global Ventures. And the third one, which I would say is the newest, is the Big Kind Tech Fund, which is also an investment fund formed by Globe and, and a few other companies where we look to invest in startup or small companies that deliver services or products that help minimize the negative impact of technology in society like misinformation or you know many different kind of uh, kinds of things um, and we are also very active on on that front but all in all i would say you know always uh, our mantra our focus is going after organic growth is expanding our presence with the uh, with the clients that are already you know where we're already delivering services or going after new clients um, in existing industries in industries uh, where we want to develop that's always been 90 percent or more than everything that we that we do yeah. okay that's quite clear um, and what about uh, the latest technologies you know AI metaverse virtual reality uh, robotics and whatnot uh, is that also fields that you're particularly interested in as a company to pursue yes yeah we, we've always been very interested uh, in you know in using AI, and language models to uh, to improve the capabilities of our developers, to improve uh, the their you know the the velocity at which they could uh, deliver code, the quality of the code they could deliver, uh, to improve the documentation on the code, and um, you know at the end of the day, I guess we were always looking for ways to use these new technologies uh, to let our developers, engineers, designers focus on problem solving rather than more mundane tasks like, for instance, documenting code and so on and so forth. So we've been developing, uh, both developing ourselves and investing in AI products for the last five years, I would say. Um, and you know, it, it, it's funny because a couple of years ago or even a year ago, we, we would go to our clients and explain them how we were using artificial intelligence to help our engineers uh, produce code faster and produce better code, uh, just using the very same learnings uh, from their their own base code, their own products. And it was very hard for our clients to understand. Now, with the resurgence of these new technologies and the popularity, they had the adoption they have acquired so quickly, you know, it's it's really easier than ever to explain the potential, to explain these products. For instance, you know, one of the products where we have invested a couple of years ago is called Genexus, which is basically, 
you know, using artificial intelligence to develop multi-platform code out of just one one source of code. For instance, you would use you would learn um, one scripting uh, language, very simple. You would code your solution in that language, and then in the in the in the backend, it would generate uh, native code. Let's say mobile for iOS and for Android out of the same scripting language. So very easy to maintain, very high quality code, very consistent. Uh, later on, uh, we um, implemented generative AI on that very same product. So now you are able to tell the platform that you are, for instance, looking to develop uh, an application for uh, for a pet care shop. Right. So we would very quickly uh, understand, okay, these are the data entities. You're going to have a, a customer. You're going to have a pet. You're going to have a clinical history. You're going to have locations. All of those uh, basic characteristics are self-generated out of natural language that you would introduce in the platform. So you know we one you know one of the things that we said for ourselves uh, since the beginning was to you know always stay curious, always uh, look for new ways uh, of doing what we do, for improved ways of doing what we do, and generative technologies are a great way to to do that. Obviously, for us and for our clients. Yeah, well, it seems to be working out quite well for Globant. Um, as you mentioned, you were born sort of in a downturn uh, 20 years ago. Uh, today, of course, we're experiencing a market downturn as well. Uh, I looked at Globant's uh, share price really quickly, um, which is still twice as high as it was you know, at the time of the IPO, but of course, uh, took a little bit more of a backseat in the last two years, like pretty much everyone else. Um, but more in general, how is the market downturn affecting Globant's business, either in terms of, you know, uh, getting new clients, making sure that the revenue stays uh, consistent, uh, and, and, and also the investments that you've made over, over the time uh, in Europe? Uh, you know, what we have seen over, over the last few quarters uh, is, you know, our clients being very cautious in the way they spend their tech dollars, in the way they make decisions, uh, much more scrutiny on the approval process and a little bit uh, longer cycles of approvals, right? Uh, we haven't seen really, you know, the, the demand for technology and the demand for uh, digital products to generate new lines of revenue or to generate savings, savings slow down in any way. That's still there. And that's, a, that's something, I guess, very different to other, you know, slowdowns or recessions that we've experienced in the past. The the technology needs are not going anywhere. It's just that, you know, we've seen during during you know the 2021 and the first half of 2022 an accelerated demand in technology, right? Uh, I, and we've seen that in uh, professional services company uh, companies. We've seen that in high tech companies. And now that has come to a more natural speed, right? It has regulated itself. In, in, our, in our case, uh, we are still growing at a different pace that we grew in the past. Obviously, you know, after COVID, we, we grew at 60, 70%, uh, unheard of for professional services companies. Now we are in the neighborhood of 16 to 20, um, but still healthy still acquiring new clients, still growing with the top companies that we've always worked with. And, you know, with this, uh, you know, generative AI and the resurgence of, of these technologies, there is, there's a renewed interest in how 
uh, we can leverage these new technologies to generate savings, to generate cost optimization. That's a big driver for conversations with every client, right? It's not just about you know, necessarily generating new business models or building new products, but rather how can they spend less uh, to sustain the, the technology infrastructure they built or how, how can they you know, generate savings across the board? Yeah, makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, Fernando, it was absolutely fantastic to learn more about Globant and also your plans in expanding in Europe and the history of the company. Super interesting. Um, I hope to catch up with you uh, more often in the next uh, few months uh, as you travel across Europe. Uh, I'm Thank sure you, to Adam. build a business. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person next time. Likewise. Thank you, Fernando. Thank you, Robert.